Well, when you talk about bluegrass and Charlottesville, there was a group back in the day known as Cloud Valley, and one of the members was Missy Rains, who's gone on to incredible things. And that includes recording some amazing albums, winning Best Bass Player, and so much more. And as it happens, Missy has got a new album out right now titled Highlander, and she's doing a tour with her group Allegheny throughout Virginia. And as it happens, Missy's hopefully here with me. Hey, Missy, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm right here, Peter. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thrilled to have you back with us. And as I said, you are right now touring behind a great new album, Highlander, out on Compass, and you've got a sold-out concert in Charlottesville, but let's talk about some of the other shows that you're going to be doing in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're going all over the country um, for this album, but um, right around our uh, sold-out show, which we're very grateful for, um, on February 29th we'll be also making some other appearances nearby we're going to be um at the uh jam and java up in vienna virginia um and that is on february 28th the day before um we're going to be at the purple fiddle up in thomas west virginia um it's really worth the drive on march 1st and we're going to be in berryville virginia at the Barnes of Rose Hill on March 2nd. And all of those are, um, I think, a, a beautiful, easy drive from Charlottesville and the surrounding area. Um, and all of these are, are are really great venues. So hopefully we'll get to see some folks who may not have been able to get in to see uh, the Front Porch Show. Absolutely. Well, Missy, for those who don't know you, Let's go back to a younger time and what first got you into this kind of music. Well, you know, my my folks, my parents were um, in music enthusiasts. They they loved early country and and uh, bluegrass, um, and they started doing that for recreation, going to hear uh, those artists perform. People like Farron Young and Ferlin Husky and and all those guys. Um, and, and one day they were watching a show, and I guess the original Country Gentleman, this would have been in the 50s, um, came out and played. And I'm, I think my mom uh, said something like, this is what I want to follow. So they started following bluegrass predominantly from that point on. So by the time I came into the world, it was um, – that was – that was what I was exposed to. So, uh, you know, it was on the stereo. And then uh, when the multi-day festival started happening, my parents were right in there on that. And they were taking uh, us as a family um, to those events. And I was the the youngest of four children, but I was the only one that actually really caught the bug to um, actually play music. Um, They all loved it, but um, I was the one that – really wanted to play it. So I didn't really have a chance (laughs) to do otherwise. And what got you so focused on the upright? Well, you know, um, I was playing like guitar and piano as a, as a child and, and, um, my dad apparently decided he had been playing, he'd made himself a washed up bass, but, and he was sort of jamming with the, the neighbors and friends that we were jamming with at the time. Um, 
And I think apparently there was some adult conversation where they, like they said, well, you know, if, if we want to, you know, play some more gigs, meaning whatever band it was that we were, uh, hanging out with, maybe you need to get a, a real instrument. <laughs> and so he went and bought the bass, the bass that I still play today and brought it home. So he basically brought it home for himself. Um, and then, you know, you're, when you're a kid, I was probably 10 or something. And when you're a kid and you're already interested in things that, that, you know, make sounds, you know, and all that part of it, um, I just was very drawn to it, started playing it, um, had folks show me things and, um, basically I just started playing it. My dad, you know, he played it some too, but, um, he basically, very happily went to the role of just making it so that I could be in places where I could play with people. And were there any bass players back in that time that really caught your ear? Oh, absolutely. As I said, I, you know, a lot of my education really early on was um, through record records and and a lot of those records that my parents had were country gentleman records which included the work of uh, tom gray um also ed ferris but the the work that that really stood out to me um as a as a kid and sort of like in the evil knievel kind of way <laughs> was the playing of tom gray because um he did a lot of walking lines and it just sounded like a lot of fun to play so you know when i once i started playing the bass i was like well i just want to do that because that sounds like a lot of fun and so i did i just tried to play everything that tom played um for years were you able to catch the country gentleman at that age, or were you mostly listening to the albums? Well, I was I was listening to the albums of the original four. That would have been John Duffy and Eddie Adcock and Charlie Waller and Tom Gray. I never got to see them actually perform when they were still a band, but I did get to see those four play when they would do reunions. Uh, they would do reenactments, uh, if you will. Carlton Haney, who was the creator of the multi-day festival um, and had a festival actually in Berryville, Virginia, um, and uh, all a couple of other places as well. We attended almost all of his festivals and Carlton loved to present special events on like the Saturday evening of an, of the festival. And one of his favorite things to do was to create the country gentleman's story because the country gentleman, of course, by that time, this would have been like in the, you know, seventies, they were still a band, a great band, but it wasn't uh, the original group. So if all the other members of the original band were at the festival booked, then he would create a, an hour for the original gentleman to play. So I got to see them do that show many times, and um, I'm grateful for that. And you talk about Eddie Adcock, and of course you and Eddie toured along with Martha for a few years too. Yeah, and you know, I got that gig absolutely and only because I was A, living in Charlottesville and B, because Eddie's mom, <laughs> who everyone lovingly referred to as Mama French, because she had gone, um, had, uh, after her, uh, Eddie's father passed away, she'd remarried and, um, 
they called her Mama French, and she had seen me play with Cloud Valley, and she was a big fan, and I had no idea. And when Eddie and Martha um, came back after being on the road with uh, David Allen Coe, and they were sort of looking to, to revisit some bluegrass roots, um, they said they mentioned to his mom that they wanted to start a bluegrass band, and she said, well, I know who you need to get. <laughs> <laughs> And she goes, there's this little girl up there in Charlottesville. And I mean, literally, that is how that was even why Eddie knew that, you know, I was around and, and, you know, gave me the option, the, 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 uh, the opportunity to, to play with him. Well, let's talk about Cloud Valley for a second. That was you and Bill. Now, I just found out that Steve Smith was not the original mandolin player. Who was, do you remember that fellow's name? That would have been Jack Corden. And he's down in Richmond these days, I think, as a luthier. That's right. I think you're right. Yeah. And how old were you? How old were you when you started with Cloud Valley? Well, I by the time I actually like drove into Charlottesville uh, to, to play with the band, um, I would have been eighteen uh, or. Uh, yeah, because I just graduated from high school that year, and um, I uh, and I had known Bill and um, uh, Charlie Ranke, who is uh, goes by Fretz Halligan, and um, I had known Charlie uh, Fretz and and Bill for a little while before that. We'd met at at a festival in Maryland and were friends and. And Bill had asked me to join the band about a year earlier. And I said, yeah, I would love to, but I need to graduate from high school first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think my parents are going to let me. And uh, But anyway, by the time I did uh, drive to town and and join the band, I, I think it was like actually 18 years old, very young. And, <laughs> and you know, didn't, didn't have a clue what was in store, um, but boy – that was one of the best things I ever did um, was to to come to Charlottesville and to be in that band and to those guys, all three of them remain, you know, some of my, my closest friends today and, and they're like brothers. Um, it was a great experience. I learned so much um, from Bill and, and, you know, I, that was just, that I, it took me a minute to get there. I tried out a couple of other, opportunities a couple of other bands in in a couple of other cities um but once i got to charlottesville i literally both not only just musically felt like i was at home but i felt spiritually like i had come to where i was supposed to be and it turned out that i was very right because um i spent the next almost 10 years there and um and it was just absolutely the right place for me to be when did you start writing your own original songs well, I mean, I, I wrote things as, as early as, you know, in my 20s, but they weren't, you know, they'll never see the light of day. Um, <laughs> and I thought about writing for a long time. I also had this, like, crazy idea that um, songwriters were people, like, that, ev that you were born and then you were just a songwriter. And um, I, I think that part of that was because when I started playing bass, it never felt like I had to work at it, but of course, later I realized that you know you do have to work at it, and 
and it was, it was the same with songwriters. Like people, no one's actually born a songwriter. It's it's a craft that you that you learn and and you get better at it um, uh, if you practice. And and so once I actually like gave myself permission to uh, explore writing, then I didn't. Re- I started seriously approaching it uh, probably um, around two thousand. 13 or 10 or something like that. So that's quite late, late for in life for me. Um, uh, but I, again, it was just all about uh, the idea, the misconception that I just wasn't a songwriter, but I just, I simply wasn't one because I didn't work at it because I wasn't trying to be one. And, you know, I think, uh, I think it's important for people to, to know that, you know, just do it. And, you know, whether it's good or not, doesn't really matter because you, uh, as you do it, you you learn a lot, and um, it it's a practice, and it's it's it opens up doors that you can't even know it will open up for you. I was reading an article written by Rachel Bayman, a wonderful instrumentalist herself and a songwriter, yes. and she was writing about Brittany Haas joining the Punch Brothers, and and she said, you know, for a lot of great female instrumentalists, they felt like they were forced to write songs, but you realized that you were a great instrumentalist and it wasn't until later that you, you know, felt you, you, I don't, it seems like you didn't have that need or anyone was pushing you to be a songwriter first. You were very content with your instrumental work and then you started writing. So you weren't pushed into a corner like some of the younger instrumentalists who are females these days seem to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I definitely um I I think it was it was a different mindset for me. I I literally just didn't think I could be a songwriter because it I hadn't written this any great songs. And then of course, you can't write great songs until you write a whole lot of bad songs and you just have to practice at it. So yeah, um that's interesting. I I um you know, I think it's it's there's there's a a, a gift to being able to give yourself permission to just um, do something, even if you're not so good at it for a while, and then get better at it. I think um, that was part of what I was having to overcome. Well, we are going to be going track by track through your latest album, Highlander, out now on Compass, and. Lots more questions, but let's start with that first track and tell us about Ghost. Excuse me. Listen to the Lonesome Wind. Yeah. So this song was written by Gary Ferguson, and he's a uh, a friend who um, uh, from the Pennsylvania Maryland area that I um, have known for forever, and um, I've enjoyed his writing on other songs. Um, and he sent me this song, but the demo that he sent me was the version of it was really completely different than the way we ended up doing it. But I, I just felt like the song had, uh, you know, it worked great the way he did it, but I thought, well, that won't work for us, but how can I make it so that it works for us? And I did love the lyric. I loved, uh, the, the whole, I mean, 
it has the word lonesome in it. So there's that. <laughs> so it seems made for bluegrass, but it wasn't just that. It was, it was that, you know, it was like talking to the wind, telling the wind to take you back, take you, carry you back to your, to your loved one's side. That's, that's a pretty cool, um, idea to me. And I, I like that a lot. So, um, it was like, like a conversation with the wind and, and I thought that was a pretty fresh approach. First track on Missy Rain's new album, Highlander, Listen to the Lonesome Wind. And you were talking about us before that. Let's talk about the members of, of your group, Allegheny. I am so excited about this band, Allegheny. Um, I couldn't ha have better musicians and better people to be traveling with. And they made this record. Like, they... 
in other words, this record would would not be the same without though each one of these people individually. Um, so on mandolin, uh, kicking off that v- the very first track is Tristan Scroggins on fiddle. Ellie Hawkinson and and vocals. Um, of course, everybody sings in the band. Um, on guitar, Ben Garnett, and um, on banjo, Eli Gilbert. And you know, like I said, this experience of working with them has just been amazing. This this album is is a complete uh, group effort and. Uh, um, we're we're just all really really proud of it. Now, when you came to your band with this, did you work out all the arrangements with them, or did you have an idea for each of them before you even walked in? You mean for the songs for the yes. for yeah. the album? Yeah, I mean, I always have once I once I choose a song to to sort of throw on the table to see what happens. I always have an idea of what I think could, could work with it, but I absolutely also always am ready and wanting them, their input, wanting them to say, Oh, let's do this. You know, um, I, I, and I just, we, we, so we arranged everything together as a band and um and then you know that to me that's the best way because you know it, like like i said i always have a vision of how i see the song coming in i think that's important because you got to have a certain set of parameters but i don't limit it to that and 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 then sometimes sometimes you bring a song in and it just doesn't work but anyway that uh that's where we started. So we we arranged these things. We went out on the road. We were playing them on the stage, and then, of course, Allison Brown produced this record. And so when and I told them, having worked with Allison on my previous record, Royal Traveler, um, I I told everybody I said, now we've got these arrangements, and and I think they're really great. But I know that when we get in there, Allison's gonna um, she's gonna she's going to want to tweak here and there. She's going to want to add, or maybe just, I call it cheap when, when she adds like a sparkle to something and it, and she doesn't tr- change anything drastically, but she just might th- say, Hey, let's just throw this in here. Or let's do, what about this? And, and they're always really great ideas. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> there was a few things that when we came in, um, we, we tweaked the arrangement because of these brilliant ideas that Allison had. But basically we, um, we created all of that before going in. Now we, of course, on the first song, it was you and Allegheny, but you have some great guests joining you on this album as well. Had you already lined some of them up before you, reached out to Allison and of course the band, or were you kind of figuring this out? And then was, was Allison throwing some names at you as well? Well, the only, the only song that I knew, and this was like four years or five years ago when I, I, the song, uh, these old blues, um, I knew that, that, that I wanted Danny Paisley to sing that with me. Um, that was 
a, a pipe dream that I had. Um, I hadn't talked to him about it yet because I didn't know at that point, you know, where when when the record was going to be done and all that. But the rest of it, um, yeah, we we I didn't talk with any of the guests until we had the song actually picked and we knew what key that was going to be in and and we had an idea of how it was going to be arranged and all of that. And that was, so at that point, that would have been all of us with the band and Allison in, in, involved in that conversation. And then once we um, had that in mind, then we reached out to, to the artist that we wanted to have join us. Well, let's get to that second track where you have some of those guests. Ghost of Love. And tell us about this one. Or excuse me. Ghost of a Love. Tell us about this song and your guest on it. Yeah, so this this is a song that I found um, late one night. I was doing sort of a, a you know looking for songs on online and just trying to find something that maybe um, was uh, fit fit the bill, meaning like f f sounded super traditional and sort of the vibe that I wanted, um, but maybe something that a lot of folks hadn't heard or had been done a lot. And um, I found this, um, this song and from this band called Big Country Bluegrass. It's a great band, of, a great Virginia-based band. And um, the I, I just fell in love with it. Again, their uh, version of it was a little bit um, uh, different than ours. It, it wasn't, um, it was just a little bit slower um, and didn't have quite that, that sort of, uh, I don't know, I call it a fast waltz feel. But that's what I heard when I heard the song. And I thought, you know, that's what this, that's what I want to do with this song. And that's how we can sort of make it our own. And then once we got the, the arrangement, we started doing the song and it was really working. And then I was like, okay, we need to have somebody sing with us. And who would that be? Well, if immediately I knew it would be Dudley Connell. And he was um, absolutely into doing it so we were really happy about that and it was great because after he after he sang on the song um he said you know missy he said i had to channel i ch had to channel my inner johnson mountain boy for this one and, and i was like that's exactly where i wanted you to channel because that's who i was thinking of and you know i've uh, the Johnson Mountain Boys are among many of the bands that it's, have inspired me through the years and are an absolute inspiration to this band. And then on this, you've also got Michael Cleveland. Well, yeah, as if Dudley is not enough, then we knew we had to, to have that bluegrass twin fiddle action happening and no you know no one else but michael cleveland would fit the bill and we um asked him and he absolutely said yes so it was amazing um ellie ellie had a really great time on this record because she's got to play with you know all the guests were basically fiddle players with a few others and singers and so she had a blast and she got to play um and she and michael just uh they really they they killed this one
of a love from missy rain's new album highlander out now on compass and actually you can find it on compass you can find it at your website you can also find it on bandcamp can't you that's right you can find it there and 
Amazon and, and any Apple Music, anywhere that you like to get your music? We are going track by track through Missy's new album. And as we said at the start, Missy and Allegheny are out touring right now, including around Virginia, coming up later in February. But do check out missyrains.com to see where else the band is touring around the United States because this is the time to get out there and, of course, catch them live. And that brings up the question, Missy, I was chatting with Alan Mundy a couple weeks ago about his new album, and there are some artists who like to let the improv fly when they're out on stage and others who like to stay closer to what's on the recording. Where do you come down on that? You know, it depends on the song. Some some songs, I feel like it's important that we... Um, that, that stay pretty true to how we recorded it. And other songs, I feel like they're, the live performance is um, going to, uh, needs to be different than the recorded version. Um, I, I'm trying to think of an example, but um, yeah, I just, that I, I think there's room for both. And I think there's great reasons for both. And of course, you've got four great members of your band who can find their own solos and just fly free when that opportunity arises. Oh, they can do it all. And, um, you know, so I've, I've, I do hate to like put a fence around somebody, you know, make them sort of do the same thing all the time. But at, but at the same time, uh, the greatest players and these are some of the greatest, um, they make it sound fresh every night, but also when, when you are like, uh, giving it your all, um, and getting the energy from that moment, like being in the moment, it doesn't feel, it, 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 it doesn't feel stale. You know, it just, it just feels very much in the moment. So, um, you know, having, I've done that, I've worked with a lot of people who, as a bass player and they wanted it, you know, the way that, that it was on the record. And, and I learned how to um, make that happen and try to make it as great as possible every single night. But it, it's, it can be easy when everyone is, everybody's engaged. Well, you talk about the bass and you said earlier, you're still playing your very first bass that your dad got. Do you have any other basses in the house or do you, are you a one bass kind of lady? No, I do have basses. I'm like in a room right now with three basses, <laughs> and um, and there might be basses in other rooms at the of the house as we speak. Um, but I I don't really have that many. Um, and honestly, I I just play my own. I just play the the K bass. The 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 I have a couple of Ks. Okay, so I just play the one that my dad uh, that my dad. Now, I actually I, I have to amend that because I did get to the point in the last year or so where I decided to not fly with that bass anymore. So because it just gotten broken so many times. And um, uh, so I decided to uh, I, I got another K that's of a similar era and has a lot of similarities to it just doesn't have the same 
quite the same sentimental value. And so I, I, and I made it into a conversion base, um, which means the neck comes off pretty easily and then you can fly it more, more easily. And that's, that's what I use when we do fly dates. But if I'm, uh, touring and I'm, and I can drive there, then I'm going to be taking, uh, my base, which I, his name is Bob, um, which was my dad's name. So he's been Bob for a long time. Did you ever take a fast moving train to a gig? <laughs> uh, in, in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could do that here, but, um, yeah, I have actually taken a fast moving train. Well, that brings up the, the third track on the album, fast moving train from Chad Cobb. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I just love this song because, um, as you mentioned, Chad Cobb, um, a good friend and a fellow bandmate, former bandmate from the Helen Highwater string band days. Um, and he wrote this. He, and, you know, it's one of those songs, again, it's like a, a ghost of a love that, that where they were, they were written in more recent times but sound like they've been around since you know like when like an early bill monroe could have recorded them and um it, it's train songs are you know pretty common within our genre um but i think the really good ones stand out and i think this is a, a really great song um allison had a lot of fun tweaking a, a little bit of the arrangement with this on, and you'll hear there's almost, there's a couple of fal false endings, I'll call them, uh, at the end. Um, we had a lot of fun doing this. Features the banjo, features the fiddle, the mandolin, everything. Um, and it's just a, a lot of fun to play. These blues away. Ooh, ooh. I don't care where, I just gotta go.
track on Missy Rain's new album Highlander out now on Compass and you can find it everywhere you might want to look and available CD as digital download and I'm trying to remember is this available on vinyl no it's not okay not not yet anyway <laughs> it's an expensive process and a long process to get that done so but CD and digital download and streaming too for those who are so inclined. And you can catch Missy and Allegheny out there touring right now behind it. And of course, with festival season coming up, I suspect you'll find them on some stages around the country as well. Missy, I'm curious. There are a lot of musicians who are now going to camps and teaching. Do you ever do any of that? Yes, I do. I, I do love to teach. And I have, of course, my online school, uh, artistworks.com. And it's uh, uh, the School of Bluegrass Bass with Missy Rains. Um, and that's something that I really love doing. But I also enjoy doing um, the occasional uh, music camp or a workshop at a festival. And I try to try to do three or four uh, music camps a year, and that changes every year depending on um, the events. Um, but yeah, I started officially teaching like back in 1998 or something, and um, I, I, I have learned a lot since then, and, and it's always a, a really great process for me to uh, – recheck what I'm doing as well. But I also, I love helping people. Um, I especially love working with beginners. And if folks want to find out about your artist works, they can go right to your website. And I suspect there's a link from there. Absolutely. There's uh you can, you can go there. There's a, a, a link. It says learn base with Missy and, uh, it's a it's a great platform um, which allows uh, their trademarked video exchange, which allows us to exchange videos back and forth. And I personally give you uh, insight and and uh, answer questions and videos back to you specifically. And you send me videos and it goes on and on like that. So it's uh, that's the only platform you can actually have that. And um, so I really enjoy it. 
Um, so it's something that I encourage folks to do, especially if they if uh, they live in a place where they um, uh, maybe can't attend uh, in person workshops or or uh, music camps. And that's missyrains.com. And while you're there, you can find out more about her new album and her past albums as well. And we're going track by track through the new one. We're coming up to the fourth track, Who Needs a Mine, one of yours. Yes. Um, I wrote this with uh, uh, Randy Barrett, a great uh, musician, a singer, songwriter um, from uh, the D.C. area. And um, he, I, I'd been thinking about trying to write this song, honestly, for, uh, gosh, at, at least five or six, seven years. I'm, I, the, I, I, I was, the, the, the years kind of blur with the pandemic, but it was way pre-pandemic. And I've been thinking about wanting to write this, address the issue. Um, and I found that I, I, I started realizing I was a little close to the, to it. And so I needed some perspective and, and I chose really wisely to ask Randy to help me write this. And, he, you know, he was absolutely the perfect person. So, yeah. And, you know, for a lot of folks, when they think of Minds, they also think of Kathy Matea, who you've yeah. got. How did Kathy come to be? Well, you know, the song uh, deals specifically with the opioid crisis, particularly how it has affected and been targeted to the uh, West Virginia uh, and and a lot of, uh, of Appalachia. Um, and so, you know, it, it was kind of an obvious call to just dream that, that Kathy might be interested in, in, in participating on this being fellow West Virginian and, but also because she's done a lot of really important act activism towards this very issue. So, um, you know, Allison made the call and, and she, uh, she was great and and i i was i felt it, it was really important to me as i when i when i walked in that day when uh, the studio when we were recording uh, she she was already there and she was um looking at the lyric and she looked up and said you know i i really i really like how you did this you know how the way you approached this and it's really important to me um and so I, I was, you know, that was just, uh, I felt great because it was important to me that it made a difference to, to be out there. And, um, you know, if people like listening to it, I think, I think it actually sounds really good, but at, at the same time, the message is, is the most re the most important thing behind it. the goods and the business plan to boost supply and demand and down the line at the clinic door the doctor grins and 
offers more Just a little script In lazy scrawl Promise we'll leave For one and all My people live The blue diamond way Working hard To little pay Who needs a mind To kill us dead When a little pill Works fine fourth track on Missy Rain's new album, Highlander, out now. And Missy and the band are out touring behind it. Check out missyrains.com to see where they might be in your area. And we've got Missy with us, of course, and we are going track by track through it. And we're coming up to crying and singing. 
Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite songs. Um, this is one also written by Chad Cobb, and I mentioned the band Helen Highwater Stream Band that I used to be in with Shad and also uh, David Greer and uh, Mike Compton uh, was the four of us. And that was, I don't know, back in the 2015 era or so. And we um, we used to actually do this song, Cry and Sing, and I, I didn't sing it, uh, Shad did, and it was great. And I loved playing it then. And I kind of, I did sort of tag it in my brain and I thought man I would that's a great song I would love to do that someday uh but I didn't know exactly how that was going to happen anyway uh I I knew when this record came up that that this was something that I really wanted to to do that song and to be honest that song I was just sitting here thinking that song makes me feel when we when we sing it and play it it makes me feel like I've just put on my PJs or something, you know, it's like, it just feels comfortable. It's like that feeling when you get home and you've uh, been out all day and all of a sudden um, you're just getting able to relax and get comfortable. That's how I feel when I, when we play this song, it just feels very natural. And I was so grateful to Shad for allowing me to record it. to hear a bit of good news I'm crying, I'm singing I'm preaching these old blues I'm busted, I'm broke I ain't kind of dumb All I got is these four chords And these old verses that rhyme Well, I've been traveling around this world I've been paying my dues I'm crying, I'm singing I'm preaching these old I'd give anything just to hear a bit of good news. I'm crying, I'm singing, I'm preaching these old blues.
I'd give anything just to hear a bit of good news. I'm crying, I'm singing, I'm preaching these old blues. Lord, I'd give anything just to hear a bit of good news. I'm crying, I'm singing, I'm preaching these old Brian and singing the fifth track on Missy Rain's new album Highlander out now on Compass. And we're going track by track through the album with Missy. And of course, you can catch Missy and Allegheny out there touring behind it right now, including some dates here in Virginia. They'll be coming through Charlottesville for a sold out show, but plenty of other opportunities to get to one of the other venues within driving distance. But because I know we have listeners all over the globe listening, do check out missyrains.com to see where they might be touring near you. Well, we're coming up to I Would Be a Blackbird. Yeah, this song is written by my friend uh, Nathan Bell. And I've known Nathan for, for years and years, decades. Um, he's a great songwriter. Um, and I've recorded a few of his tunes before. Um, and this one, he had... He had actually given me a long time ago, and I'd been sitting on it because I, 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 I've been trying to record it, but I couldn't quite figure out how I wanted to do the song because, like, it didn't sound, it, 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 he, it didn't sound like this version when he sent it to me. Um, so, but then I, we started working on it with this band, and it just fell right into place. It was just like, okay, this is this is the venue that this song needed. Um, and then, of course, that was one that we thought of. Uh, it was like I wanted to have um, Lori sing on the record. In I wasn't sure which song, but then once we did this song, I knew that that was the song that I wanted Lori to sing with me on. And, you know, if I haven't said it already, it's like each one of these songs that I had guest singers come and um, uh you know, sing with us. It, it, it was it was just such an, a a great experience to um, to be able to sing with them, and um, honestly, like just the challenge of singing uh, alongside the folks like Dudley Connell and and Lori. Um, it was it pushed me a lot and i was really glad to have that opportunity uh, so this is this is it this is, this is not so much hard driving bluegrass but i love the feel of it and i i love its addition to the album and for those wondering that would be of course west coast own Lori lewis stars that fall If I was a blackbird I would not miss you at all And 
from Missy Rain's new album, Highlander, out now. And we're going track by track through this full album with Missy. We're coming up now to the seventh track, Looking to You. And Missy, I'm noticing in Ghost of a Love, a name that I know mostly as your husband and a phenomenal engineer and producer. Yes, and he is also uh, a great singer and guitar player and um he a lot of people don't know this um how great he is of a singer but um he has sung on uh, a lot of my records actually at least once uh he on on one song or something and uh he sang baritone on this with me and dudley and just he's absolutely like my favorite baritone singer in the world because he grew up singing it he uh um he often jokes that the the uh, leuven brothers were were made for uh, baritone singers, you know, and so he, that's one of his favorite things. He does it so well. And I just love hearing, uh, the, the, the rich trio that we created. 
this one is just all me. <laughs> um, and I wrote this. I mean, it's basically a love song uh, for my husband, Ben. And um, But it also, I mean, it, it came out of the the days when we were all sort of in lockdown during the pandemic and, um, and, and in those early days when we didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I spent a lot of time just looking actually in the same chair that I'm in right now, talking, looking out the window, but the, you know, everything is a very different now than it was then. And I was looking out the window a lot in the winter and wondering, you know, what was, what was going to happen next? What, you know, was I going to be able to keep playing music? Would there be uh, a way to do that? And um, I found myself, my eyes drawn to things in my yard and in my neighborhood that uh, gave me comfort. And of course, I'm a huge gardener and I'm a big bird fan. And there was a beautiful red bird that uh, just seemed to be there at the same time every day on on a branch outside the window literally and um yeah i know it's probably not the same bird but and anyway i i really enjoyed uh, making this connection and it it did it did get me going it it got me to pick up the guitar and i started fooling around with some um some melody and some chord progressions and then of course i started realizing it's like okay you know what we all need and what i think what everyone the human nature what what we all uh, live for is to have something or someone to look to um, in times of need, but also in times of great joy. And of course, I I then realized how lucky I was because I was you know being sequestered during this pandemic with with my soulmate and and was very happy about that. And and I had this beautiful human being that I could look to through anything. And so the rest of it, it just kind of wrote itself. I see you looking in You're back against the wind Red fights the gray Out on that limb Like you came here to say Something I need to hear I'm looking to you I'm looking to you To see me through Like a watermark, I recognize feels right. Hear the stories I love most, the secrets I hold close. When I reach in the dark, you're my hitching post in the night. I 
like you came here to say something I need to Looking to you from Missy Rain's new album, Highlander, out now on Compass. And if you're lucky enough to be somewhere where Missy and her band Allegheny are out touring, you can pick up a copy yourself, or you can go to Bandcamp or Apple or check out MissyRains.com to see where you can find it. it you, the usual s- spots. Well, Missy, I'm curious, you were talking about lockdown, and did you find yourself writing more during that time, or how were you, you know, finding a way to get your creativity out? Yeah, in the very beginning of it, um, you know, when all of the gigs that I had booked for the year went away, um, I... I didn't play music at all. I, I went outside, and I dug in the ground and worked in my yard and um um and I did that kind of like furiously for a pretty uh, good while and until one day I remember I was like digging up a bunch of um roots and you know like cleaning out places in the yard that needed attention and this stuff started coming in my head, like these lyrics started coming in my head and even a melody, which never happens. <laughs> and, and I think I had just like, like released a lot of demons during that time. And anyway, so I came inside and I just sat down. I basically wrote a song called Digging Up the Weeds. And it was just kind of sort of an, a cutesy kind of country love song or like, uh, like, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be just fine, even though, um, <clears throat> you ruined my life. And um, so anyway, so that started, once I reached that point, I did start writing and I wrote several things during that time. And so, but it didn't happen immediately. It, I I needed uh, a little bit of a, uh, uh, some time coming um, when we first didn't know what was happening. And even when I was writing, I didn't know what was going to ha- happen, but I, I think we just tend to, um, you know, after the panic sort of subsides a little bit, you just sort of think, well, uh, uh, you know, for me as a creator, I just thought, I don't know if anyone will ever hear these things, but I have to write because it's part of, it, it, it's just who I am. I have to play and I have to sing and I have to write and hopefully um, I'll get to do this for people again. <laughs> so, Yeah. Now, you talked about putting the music down in the beginning. Did that include not picking your bass up and practicing, or were you still at least getting it out? No, I, I didn't get it out at all. I'm, I mean, I was, I, I, I'm talking, you know, those first eight weeks or so, I was terrified and um, about what was happening. I had lost all, all the known work in my future. Um, I'm self-employed and I've never 
applied for unemployment so that there was a whole thing there. You know, like I did, I didn't know, I really didn't know what was going to happen. And so, um, I, you know, I, at first my go-to reaction was to sort of hunker down and then use my energy that I had, because I did have a lot of energy, but it was uh, kind of uh, not very channeled or not very focused. So I just, one of the things that brings me, uh, that relaxes me and gives me peace is to put my hands in the dirt. And that's what I did. Um, yeah, I didn't play, I didn't play at all for a little bit. And I think that was kind of, that was just what I needed to do. Uh, but then, but then um, after a while and, you know, um, it all came back and I felt kind of renewed. I still didn't know how the future was going to play out, but um, I started playing. I started working. I started singing. I, you know, started thinking about, like I said, life going forward. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a little bit of a, of a, of a break there where I just didn't play at all. Didn't. And I, I didn't kind of, I didn't want to, I was just trying to, trying to, figure out what was going to happen. Well, I know there were a lot of musicians like Wild Ponies had a food truck and they were making soups and such. So just a different way to get their creativity out there. Absolutely. I ate a lot of that soup. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were awesome. Like I just so admired people that could do that did stuff like that that you know, were out there doing all these different things and making you know, t totally uh pivoting and, and making uh, new ways for their, for their creativity to come out. Um, yeah. I, I think that was just brilliant. I think, I think we all handled it, handled it differently. Um, and, you know, did we all just did what we could do. Once you got back into the zone, I guess, do you find yourself finding time each day to practice the bass or songwriting or does it vary from day to day? Well, it does vary for sure from day to day, but I do try to, I, I make it a priority to play or and sing every day if I absolutely can. Um, I don't, uh, I don't get to write every day. I should, um, but I've, uh, I, again, it, that has more to do with, there are times when my head is just, a little too full of things that are at hand right then. And I find it's hard to uh, let the creative part of me flow. So I, you know, when I just, if I'm playing and I'm trying to make sure that, you know, I'm ready for the show coming up in a couple of days or something, that's, it's creative, but it's also like, you're just sort of muscle memory and you're just going through and make sure you're warmed up and, and all the things are, are working the way they're supposed to be, but it's not the same muscle as actually like sitting there and writing and trying to have this quiet space. And so for me, quiet space, I mean, it's, it's not just literally the room being quiet, but it, my head, my head has to be quiet. And sometimes that's just not possible if I'm, uh, if I'm dealing with um, all the other aspects of running a band that like, you know, there's the playing and there's the singing, but then there's like all the other admin stuff that has to happen. Um, and the social media and the, um, you know, all the things 
it's just it's a it's a lot and um i do have have a you know some people you know on the team that are help help me and and all of that so it's way better than it ever used to be but it's still a lot of i wear a lot of hats well you talk about social media and i think i read somewhere that you and the band wanted to get your own social media going so you could have a little more fun than maybe the official line was, or did I misread that? <laughs> well, no, you're basically right. What what it was was my band basically said, hey, mom, can we have our own so Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so it was like, yes, okay. Um, but that, so we started an Instagram that, of course, they all have access to, and um, and it, the idea was, yeah, that 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 the, the beautiful thing about this band is that the personalities are so rich and wonderful, and we we really do have a great time out there, and we I just want I I really did want that to be reflected, and I knew that like I have a voice that you know. It, which I think is fine, and I, you know, work really hard to try to s express myself, but it's also not going to be the, um, it's not going to represent what what we are as a band to, together, the five of us, um, which is basically a very intergenerational band, and um, and I'm okay with that. It's like I love it. You know, they make they they make it they make it great, and I think and. And they also have a huge amount of respect uh, for for me, and and I have a huge amount of respect for them. And so, but yeah, it was like we joke about it. It's like, yeah, they just they get to have a lot more fun with this Instagram. Well, I was listening to Tristan Scroggins on a popular podcast, and just the love he has for the band came through. And boy, he's so eloquent with what he has to share about so many styles of music. It was really nice to be able to scratch the surface and not just hear his music, but hear Tristan talk about it as well. And I know all the other members are like that too, having spoken to Ben and some of the others. Yes, yes, indeed. They are, yes, very, very special. Well, we're going track by track through Missy's new album, and we're coming up to These Old Blues. Yeah, so I think I've mentioned it earlier, um, knowing that this this was a song that I was actually when I was out in the yard uh, during the pandemic, and I was I, sometimes I would actually you know put my phone on and have music, or and I was doing a sort of a deep dive with Loretta Loretta Lynn music, and um, there were several songs from this album. I think the album's called "Wouldn't It Be Great," and uh, that I loved and was singing around that time. But this one, These Old Blues, I, what I really thought would be uh, a perfect song for this band. And again, at that time, this band, as it is now exactly, didn't even exist. I knew it did in my brain. I knew I was going to have a bluegrass band, but with exactly these people, um, that didn't exist at that time. But I knew that I wanted to do the song. I knew I wanted to... to uh, do a slightly different groove than Loretta did. And I knew that I wanted Danny Paisley to sing on it with me. Um, so I kept that dream alive and it made it, we made it happen. And um, so, you know, 
uh, and then we, and then we got triple fiddles for this. We got Daryl Anger and um, Shad Cobb and Ellie to play triple fiddles, and I knew that with with this combination, it was going to be something magical, and it truly is. And they worked; they got together in the studio that day and just worked it up, worked up this crazy arrangement. And um, yeah, so it was it was just a, a, so much fun, so much fun. Yeah. 
These All Blues, the eighth track on Missy Rain's new album, Highlander. And that one featured triple fiddle. And as my buddy Danny Nicely once said, what's better than one fiddle? Two fiddles. <laughs> what's better than two fiddles? Three fiddles. Exactly. What's better than three fiddles? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Well, we are going track by track through the album, and Missy, we were talking about music a little while back, and listening to it, I'm curious, when you're all touring in the van, do you uh, do you listen to music, or do you find yourself listening to podcasts or something else? Well, you know, van time is often, it, it, it's, it's the only time that we might have to... Um, actually be alone even though we're all in the same vehicle and a lot of uh a lot of the time you know everybody's sort of got their headphones on or they're just kind of choosing to 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 uh disengage a little bit and i completely honor that because it's 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 vital to maintain that um to keep your sanity when you're out on the road because oftentimes uh, sometimes uh, you don't even you just that's the only time that you have down for me personally um, I I usually listen to music if I'm gonna do anything um, but I do love to listen to podcasts if I'm driving um, and I tend to if I listen to music when I'm driving I tend to speed <laughs> <laughs> I tend to drive a lot faster than I normally would because I get all excited and and um but then if I listen to people just talking I don't do that. So it's 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 a it's a much better thing. Dare I ask how many speeding tickets have come out of listening to music? <laughs> you know, the truth is I haven't got I haven't had a speeding ticket in um since probably I don't know 1989 or something but um uh yeah i've been i've been lucky but actually those who know me really well are just laughing right now because i'm also known as very much the old lady driver because i don't drive very fast but that's the one thing that will get me uh without thinking about it is 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 music and i'll just be like and somebody will just go oh did you know that you're going 80 miles an hour right now and i'm like no i did not now, do you listen to any particular style of music, or are you pretty open-ended with what you'll listen to? Oh, I try to listen to everything. You know, um, I like, I love it all, and I, I try to, I, I sometimes try to use time to to educate myself on things that I that I'm not familiar with, to, just to keep up and with things that are happening new. Um, uh, you know. Um, 
but I also have my old favorites, things that I just love and I go back to all the time. And those range from within the bluegrass genre, but also in, you know, jazz and, and, you know, 80s rock, <laughs> the 70s rock and everything. I mean, uh, I, I, I really, I, yeah, I like it all. That's what makes you the musician you are. It's you've had your different styles, as I think of it, over the years. It's it just shows how well rounded you are as a musician. That you're not closed off to only listening to bluegrass. So you you can hear sparks of something in your music, and that continues to this day. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I just I think that um, if there's so much great music out there. It's it's all meant to be enjoyed. Well, we're going track by track through this new album. And speaking of old classics, we're coming up to Bill Monroe and Panhandle Country. But how is it tackling a Bill Monroe tune? Well, I will tell you that my first uh, reason or desire to put this particular song on this record was actually motivated more by the seldom scene than it was by Bill Monroe's version of this song. Ah. Yeah, because, um, well, uh, Allison kept saying, you know, well, you have to do an instrumental, you know, you have to, you have to feed, we have to feature the bass. And, and I was like, no, no, I've got all these other songs that I want to, to, as Lori Lewis would say, I just have too much to say to play. And, um, and she's like, no, 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 we really have to do an instrumental. So then I thought, well, because everything else about this album and this band has been, is, is very much fo a focus and a sort of a nod to, and a, a, um, a homecoming in, of, of sorts to, the music that I grew up listening to, um, seeing live, like I, 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 you know, of course there was the Stanley Brothers and Monroe and all those guys that were that were so much a part of it. But the folks that I remember seeing the most um, were the folks that I saw in the Mid Atlantic region in the D.C. area, the Northern Virginia, Southern Pennsylvania, and um, and a lot of that music was like the seldom seen and Tom Graves' role in that band. Um, so I wanted, and then so the version of the seldom seen playing Panhandle Country on Live at the Cellar Door was an album that I wore wore out completely, and um. So that's that was my sort of motivation for the song. But then, of course, you know, we all wanted to honor uh, the Monroe version, and um, with the, and so the fiddles. We got Bronwyn Keith Hines on it, and um, uh, so we could have twin fiddles, and and then uh, ask Rob Ikes because of the seldom seen version. And also because Rob is, uh, like he was, he started playing because of Mike Aldrich and he was as much inspired by that band to play as I was maybe in slightly different times, but, um, his, his main inspiration in the very beginning was that band and, and Mike Aldrich. So, so that felt like a real, it, it it all had you know absolute meaning for, to bring us together to do it so yeah and so that solo that i you know i i i kind of the, the solo that i'm playing on it um 
is 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 definitely for Tom. And then I kind of quote a couple of lines that he used in other songs, like Rider. They used to do a version of Rider, and he did a basic. So I kind of quote that. But then I change it up a little bit to uh, we we added my, my guitar player Ben and I like we was like what can we do to sort of just make take this this solo section and turn it on its ear for a minute. So we added like an extra measure and you'll hear that, um, which gives it to me the personality. So anyway, this is, this is, this is where this is all uh, coming from.
Panhandle Country from Missy's new album, Highlander, out now on Compass. And, you know, it occurs to me, Missy, we haven't discussed how the album title came up, Highlander. You know, um, as I've said, uh, so I grew up in Shorecap, West Virginia, um, which is just across the Potomac River, DNO Canal from Cumberland, Maryland. And um, it's uh, part of the uh, Allegheny Highlands Mountains, and that's the band is named for the for the mountain range that runs through there. Um, and I, like I said, I'm just relating so much to um, the things that helped to form me, you know, as a musician and those times spent there and the the music that I was exposed to, um, not just there, but, but um, you know, traveling around to that, in that region. Um, it just felt like a really great way to, um, to title, title the album. And, you know, I like, I like to have, to have, uh, you know, a, a title of the album that maybe ne not necessarily is like one, uh, one of the songs. If, if, if all of the titles of the songs don't seem to fit exactly what we were wanting to do. So it just, it, I, I, there's just this idea to me that, um, well, if you, if you look inside the album, there's a picture and it, of the valley that I grew up in. And, um, I wrote a little passage in there about how, uh, I used to, to actually sit up on top of this mountain and look down at, at that very view when I was a kid and all through my childhood. Um, and, I think that uh, I also thought of Highlander as uh, just a glimpse to how I felt that the um, my maybe the bigger view of of this bluegrass world and its impact on me, um, and and hopefully that shine, kind of shines a light on on that how how much. Uh, bluegrass music has meant to me and how much it's shaped who I am. Well, we're coming up to the final track on this album, Highlander, and it's one that has your producer on it as well. Are you ready to say goodbye? So um, we got to play live at in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina last fall for the big IBMA event and um Allison Brown was also performing with us. It was a special mashup of, of uh, the two bands. And she performed Are You Ready to Say Goodbye with us. Um, and once I heard her playing with Eli on stage with this song, and she was just so, so like perfectly playing, not what he was playing, but just doing this thing that absolutely complemented everything. 
you know, I, I just, I kept, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And finally we were at the very edge of, end of the process of recording and everything was done and we really should have been moving on to the next step. And I just looked at her and said, could you please, please, please add this banjo to, um, the, are you ready to say goodbye? The way you played it on stage. And she says, of course. So that's, we end, ended up adding the banjo, the second banjo. So it's like, we basically now also call it a rock opera. So this is a song that I wrote, um, of, and I, I, it's basically um, dedicated to uh, my two brothers and my sister that have uh, passed, and um, there's stories behind each verse um, that are true, um, you know, everything, and it's... I actually refer to this song as my angry death song um, because it's just um, it's it's just about that sense of loss. Um, it took me about five years to write it, um, and it was when my brother actually had a dream. One of my brothers uh, had a dream three weeks before he died that. Um, he had a dream that he, the, he was in a room and the phone on the wall started ringing and um, he answered the phone. I mean, this all just sort of sounds like a movie, but it's actually really true. He answered the, f the phone and um, it was our dad's voice who's had already passed. And um, it was our dad and it was, he said, son, do you have your things in order? And my brother said, no. And he said, you, it's time to get your things in order. So this actually happened to my brother in a dream. And um, three weeks later, he died suddenly of a heart attack. And I, when my, I didn't know about the dream until uh, when he passed. And, and, um, and I thought, uh, I just, I can't even believe that this happened, but um, it was just a way for me to help, to, to help grieve for it for him and and then my sister died uh, a couple of years later and that was also a whole story based on her coming to Nashville to celebrate with me f for a, a, an opening at the Country Music Hall of Fame and and there was just all of these events that have happened so I thought the only way that I'm going to get through all of this is to sort of try to process it in writing. And, and I think I've mentioned earlier that 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 can be how therapeutic it can be. And so that's what I that's what I did. I don't often tell this story about these uh, events. Um, I, I definitely don't when I'm on stage because it it tends to, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's a lot. <laughs> but I thought it was a, be important to share it here. Well, we're going to say farewell. We're going to. Say goodbye, even though I'm not ready to do it, but maybe we'll get to see you and Allegheny down the road, maybe even when you're coming through Charlottesville for that sold-out show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Missy. This has been great, and look forward to getting together again soon. Races run. Can you hear, hear the ringing of a black telephone? There's a voice from up above. 
come home Are you ready to say goodbye? Rise up well to the sky Are you ready to leave it all behind And lift your soul apart? When your time down here is through There's not a thing Better get your suitcase packed Don't fill it with unimportant things Cause you ain't coming back See your children all around you now Weeping and crying Let their love carry you around and Soon you'll be flying Are you ready to say goodbye? Rise and wave to the sky Are you ready to leave it all behind and lift your soul apart? When your time down here is through, there's not a thing you can do. Are you ready to say goodbye? Stay. 